Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk. Right, good morning everyone. Assistant Vicar... Assistant to the vicar, something like that. Um, I've, I, moved, I moved house last week. Come on. So um, I've been, you know what it's like when you move house? Yeah, just pop it there, fellas. Um, this, is, this is the removal company. We like to call them the Chuckle Brothers. Um, so uh, I moved house last week. And do you know what it's like when you move house? Um, it's like, it's, on the one hand, it's really exciting because you're, kind of, you're going somewhere new and all those new beginnings, all that kind of stuff, which is great. But also, it's a right faff, isn't it? it is, it's a bit of a pain. And, um, and I, I got into the house once the removal company had, had been in, um, Phoenix and Mike. They bought all the boxes in, which was great. And uh, my house was packed with boxes. And I just thought, I felt overwhelmed. What am I going to do? So I thought, right, one step at a time. I'm going to get, uh, get one room sorted so that we can, at least the family, we can just like, we can just live and have a bit of breathing space. You know what I mean? So I set up, um, while the kids were at school, I set up the, uh, the porch area and then I set up like a family room. We've kind of got this, this, uh, this di- kitchen diner thing. So I set that up. I got it really nice. So I'd put the... Um, I put the coat stand up in the porch. The sofa there was ready, which was great. I had my lectern because I'm assistant vicar. You know, we have them in our house. And uh, once, once I got it all ready, I just, I, thought, I just sat down. I put my feet up and it, it was just really nice. Can we just have a bit of peace for a moment? <sighs> and then the kids came back home from school I had set my house up really, really nice. They come in. I've got a hat stand for them. No, we're not going to bother with that. They take the coats off. <laughs> There's the coat stand. No, they're just going to chuck it there. I even put like, you know, um, what, a place for your shoes to go. They kind of kick the shoes off like that. They came on in. They sat down on the sofa. They had a little after-school snack. They ate the crisps. Did they put these in the bin? No, there we go, all over the house. And even, honestly, I'd even, in the, in the downstairs toilet, I had put in a new loo roll holder. It took me ages. Did they use it? Well, there we go, loo roll all over the house. An absolute mess. You know what, the other thing they did, they were doing this craft right and um, I didn't realise it involved pins. They had like a basket full of pins and like they dropped them all over the floor. I come in barefoot like I am now. I kid you not, a pin right all the way up into my foot. I have not squealed since I was 11 years old. And I I was rolling around screaming on the floor like a Premier League footballer and um, oh, it was miserable. I tell you, it was awful. It's sometimes in our house, it's like Home Alone 7. You just, you gotta, you gotta watch out. I don't know what's going on. I mean, you see, you see, you've probably seen my kids. You know, they're great. We love them to bits. I tell you what, when they're asleep, they look like little angels. I don't know what's going on. But you know what? Don't worry, because I have hatched up a plan. I'm going to get my own back. Because one day, my kids are going to grow up 
and uh, they're going to get a place of their own. I am going to mess that place up bad. And I mean really bad. So I've got a bit of an idea. I'm going to do the loo roll thing. I'm going to spread that all over the house. I'm going to go up into uh, their bathroom and uh, I'm going to smear toothpaste all over the mirror. And the best one of all is I'm going to pick my nose. I'm going to, I'm going to dig deep and I'm going to wipe it all over that sofa. That is payback. Come on. It feels so sweet, doesn't it? You can probably tell I'm enjoying this. Revenge. It's like, it feels like a beautiful thing, doesn't it? But I can tell you, I might feel satisfied at the moment and it feels so right, but it creates a huge mess. Look at this stage. Look at the, the loo roll, crisp packets, the snot on the sofa. I'll clean that up later, Tim, don't worry. Revenge is what I want to talk about this morning. And I want to say to you, revenge isn't sweet. Revenge makes things messy. And I mean really messy. Did you know that revenge is like a never-ending cycle that just keeps going and going? Someone hurts you. And so what do you do? You, you get angry, don't you? You get cross. And... Um, and so you, you kind of feel, I'm in the right. I'm kind of justified here. So I'm going to get some justice and I'm going to get my own back. So I'm going to go back to them and I'm going to hurt them. But guess what? As soon as you do that, like you're in the wrong. That's quite hard to get your head around, but you're in the wrong. And maybe you do something which is a little bit worse than they've done to you. And so you do it back to them and then guess what? They get really angry. They get enraged. And so they want to get revenge on you and they hurt you back. And on and on and on it goes and it gets worse and worse. It's a vicious cycle. You might have experienced this in your own life. You know, the, the number of times I've sat with families in conflict and they can tell me all about kind of what's going on in the moment and, and the big issues and the big fights they've got at the moment. If you press them a little bit further... Often they don't know, they don't remember how it started. Because often the things start off actually quite small in reality. And they begin to escalate and escalate. Revenge, friends, is not sweet. It is bitter and it is messy. Today I want to look at a better way, a Jesus way, of how we can respond when people hurt us. A way that we can break this vicious cycle. So if you've got your Bibles with you today, I'd love you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we're going to start at verse 38. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 38. The words are going to come up on the screen as well as we go through. Before we read them, let me give you a bit of background. This... Um, this term, we are really exploring about how as a church we can go to a new level of maturity. And do you know what? One of the key things I think about maturity, one of the key things is that we need to build a firm foundation. My experience is that it is only a foundation on Jesus Christ 
that can really bring us into life and life in all its fullness, the stuff that he promised. We have to build our lives upon him. And so if we want to mature in our faith, this is what we've got to do. And so we've been looking at a piece of scripture right at the beginning of the New Testament. It's at the start of the Gospels, which if you're not familiar with the Gospels, they're just the stories of Jesus about his earthly life. And right at the start of these stories, just like when you would, like if you met someone for the first time and, uh, and you were kind of going to become friends or whatever, you'd kind of talk about what your values are and all that kind of stuff. Right at the start of the New Testament, at the start of Jesus' earthly ministry, he gives this teaching which we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's a massive picture of it right behind you up in the church there, of Jesus with his disciples teaching them giving them what his values are, what the values of the kingdom are. These are words that we can build a foundation on. We're calling this series, series words you can build your life upon. And so if you're with me in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start reading it from verse 38. And these are, this is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn them the other cheek too. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And we're going to pause there. We're going to come to the next section in a few moments time. An eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Now this saying you might have heard before, it was actually a law which was permitted in the Old Testament. And we kind of tend to associate this with this saying with revenge, with kind of getting our own back. As we've said, someone hurts you, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So you go and get them back. Actually, this law wasn't about escalating violence and conflict wasn't about revenge. It was actually to, it was designed to limit and to stop excess. So if someone took your eye, you could take their eye, but no more. That was as far as you could go. If they took your tooth, you could take theirs, no more. And it was designed to kind of stop this, this vicious cycle, which we can, we can get into. Or at least that's the idea. Well, some of you might say, well, that's fair enough. It actually makes sense, doesn't it, on a kind of surface level. That feels very logical. But Jesus does something very different here, like he does throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He takes, he takes the law and actually he gets to the heart of it. Because us as human beings, we're really good, aren't we, at trying to um, go after the letter of the law. And we'll look at the letter of the law and we'll try and kind of twist it to suit our narrative. It's just something that we do naturally. And so Jesus comes along and he says, you have heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. He wants to get back to the heart of what God the Father meant in the first place when he instituted that law to the Hebrew people. He hasn't come to do away with the law. Jesus specifically says, I haven't come to do that. I have come to fulfill the law. He wasn't a barrister who was kind of going after this kind of exact thing. 
but he come to get back to the heart of what his father was talking about. And so this is what he's doing in his teaching. He says, you've heard it said, and then he changes it. Do not resist an evil person. And so when it comes to revenge, what Jesus is trying to do, and what I believe he wants to do today, is reframe our thinking. Because eye for eye makes sense. Going after someone, getting payback, it makes sense to us. It feels kind of sweet at first. But actually it leads to bitterness. And Jesus knows what is good for us, what is good for people. And so he wants to reframe our thinking. Paul puts it like this beautifully. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So why does this teaching matter? Well, it matters because I don't know if you've noticed, but revenge is powerful. And you don't want to be going around playing with things which are too powerful for you. Now, I once almost blew myself up. Now, my mum's actually in here today. So mum, I'm not sure if I've told you this story. So you need to, you need to cover your ears up. But I once nearly blew myself up and... Um, uh, I had actually, it was actually a house that we had moved into a number of years ago. And the garden was a little bit messy. Out there. It was actually a front yard and driveway at the, at the front of the house. And there was like a border which was like filled with weeds and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I went out one day and I got my spade and the, the like garden fork, all that kind of stuff. You know, I know what I'm talking about with gardening. And, um, and so I start, to, I start to clear the weeds and I kind of dig down with my spade and I hit something. At first I think it's a stone, but I hear this noise. Like that. Then all of a sudden, the, the soil starts like, the only way I can describe it is it starts bubbling up around where the spade is. And then, a few seconds later, all I can smell is this intense smell of gas. <laughs> I know. <laughs> all I had done was a bit of gardening. I had hit the main gas pipe going from the street, which goes into our house. Who knew that the main gas pipe was less than a foot, literally less than a foot, under my garden? Not me. So I'd done my gardening, I kind of hit into this pipe. And so I phoned the gas company, I phoned them really quickly. To be fair to them, they came round really quickly as well. And uh, they said, oh yeah, you, you've hit a gas pipe there. I was like, great, <laughs> you're going to fix it. So, um, uh, so they do, they start digging up the garden, which is wonderful. It means there's less gardening for me to do. That wasn't my plan, but that was one benefit. And uh, so they dig it up and, and they, they fix the gas pipe. And uh, they said, do you want to put, I was trying to put a plant in. And they said, they, they said to me, do you want us to put that plant in? I was like, no, thank you. Just cover up that hole, please. And, um, and so they cover up the hole. And then they turn to me and they say, uh, you know, you hit that gas pipe. I was like, yeah. Um, did you know just below it? I was like, no, I don't know anything about it. Did you know just below it uh, was the electric mains pipe about an inch below? And you missed it by an inch. My mum's got a, a head in her hands. And uh, I was like, whoa. Honestly, it was like a really, really lucky escape for me. I didn't touch that front yard again. I didn't go out there or do any gardening. Because I knew what was down there. And I knew that it was like way too powerful for me. I'm not going to go anywhere near that stuff. I'm not going to touch it. And you know, revenge is just like that. 
such a powerful thing. Like as individuals, we, we, can't, we can't deal with it. It's too much for us. In a similar passage in the Sermon on the Mount, in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul, he says, don't repay evil with evil. And then he says this, it's really important to remember, vengeance is not ours, it is the Lord's. Vengeance doesn't belong to us, it belongs to the Lord. It's not something that we can meddle with because it's dangerous. Now, let me give a quick caveat on this. Because not taking revenge on someone does not mean the same as not seeking justice. They're actually two different things. Justice is really, really important. And Christians have had debates about this stuff all over the years. But, but as, you know, as much as it's worth my thinking of it is that God has, has given power and authority to like governors and leaders of, of countries or of nations. This stuff is devolved. And yeah, sometimes they get it right, which is great when we live in a, a good and a healthy state and all that kind of stuff. And yes, revenge and vengeance is really powerful. So people, of course, they misuse it because they're, they're fallen and they're broken. And that can lead to, lead to all sorts of evil and, and bad intent. I'm not going to go into that today, but that's my caveat. We don't seek revenge, but we can seek justice. The two things are different. And so revenge is, is messy, like this loo roll all over the place, the pins I've hoovered up just in case. It's powerful and it is messy. But Jesus gives us a way to allow for justice, but also halt revenge in its tracks. There is a way to stop it. And what he gives us is a teaching which is so radical that actually even today, some Christians, some of us in this room won't actually believe, Jesus, did you actually, did you actually mean what you said? And so we're going to get to this now. If you'd like to have your Bibles open to Matthew 5, I'm going to read from verse 43. This is how revenge can be broken you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be called children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than the others? Do not even the pagans do that? So be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Friends, the antidote to revenge is to love your enemies. It is probably the most radical, most difficult teaching of Jesus in the entire Bible. Love your enemies enemies. It goes against every instinct that we know. But part of the key teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, if you were here a few weeks ago, you will remember, Jesus is saying, you are the salt 
of the earth. He says a city on a hill doesn't, doesn't hide itself. And you don't put a bowl on top of a lamp. You take it off for all the world to see. When we follow his ways, when we, when we build our life upon him, we're supposed to look different from the world around us. Loving your enemies is probably the hardest, most difficult teaching, but probably one of the most beautiful things that we could display to the world around us if we do it. Of course we'll get it wrong, but when we get it right, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. Let me name something important. The teaching of Jesus is not easy. And here's the thing. You cannot do it on your own. One of the big things I wrestle with on the, the Sermon on the Mount is that it's too difficult. I beat the bit at the end there, which I'm not even going to preach on today. I could, I could do... I could speak for hours on it. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. How do you do that? Well, I'll tell you how you do that. Jesus does that for you and he makes a way. The only way we can do this stuff, loving our enemies, I believe is actually a, super, a supernatural shift in our, mind, in our mindset. There's, there's not much that you can actually do with your own willpower. I think loving your enemies is something you will find really difficult to do with your own willpower. But prayer, supernatural change, is how we can do it. You know, Jesus says, love your enemies. There's, there's a bit of teaching which no one, people always forget about, which goes hand in hand with that. It's literally the second half of the sentence. Jesus says, love your enemy, and then what? Pray for those who persecute you. You're not supposed to do this on your own. You're supposed to pray and it is when we do that, I believe we can begin to love our enemies and break cycles of revenge and see reconciliation. And I just want to finish with this story. About five or six years ago, um, I was at a baptism service. And um, I wasn't actually leading the service, but I was there. And the vicar of the church was, was leading. And at one, there was a lady there who was a visitor, and she had become estranged from her daughter. And she hadn't had any contact with her. She hadn't heard from her at all or spoken with her for, for about a decade. It's a very, very sad story. And she'd come along to this baptism. And the vicar led this very short, simple prayer time for people. And he just said to them, if there's one thing that you could ask God to do in your life, what would it be? And why don't you ask him now? Just quietly in your heart. And so that's what people did. And at the end of the service, this, this lady comes over to us. I, I kid you not, she said she had prayed in that prayer time that she'd be able to reconnect with her daughter and their relationship would be restored. It's kind of praying for your enemies. Before the service even finished, she'd had a text message off her daughter asking if they could meet up. It's one of the most incredible answers to prayer that I have ever seen. I don't know what happened next. The lady didn't come along to our church. I'm hoping that they met up. Maybe God instigated something and the rest was up to them. But what I do know from that story is that prayer shifts things. 
And we need God's supernatural help to, to be able to live out these teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. To turn the other cheek. To go the extra mile. To love our enemies. To pray for those who persecute us. Friends, you can't do that on your own. But with our beautiful, loving God, His Son, Jesus Christ, and His Holy Spirit, who He has left here to be with us so we wouldn't be alone. He can lead us in this stuff. The way of revenge is messy. Look at this mess on the stage. But when we walk with Jesus, when we pray for those who persecute us, the mess can be tidied up. for listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week.